So, again, we're back with another episode of Stick a Fork in It. Mm-hmm. And I heard, mm-hmm. and I'm super excited, live and in person, there's another fork fight. Yeah. No pain involved with that. I had this mental picture the first time I came to Feeding Tampa Bay. Like, what yeah. the hell is that? No one's getting hurt with forks. But what is Fork Fight, Ed? Tell us. It's our annual in-person gala event, which didn't get to be in person for right. like four years, it feels like. you know. Um, I think the last live one was 2019. Yep. And it's just a pretty magical evening of delicious food, right. auctions, lots of people gathering around for fun and you know, dressing up, looking sparkly, you know. Yeah, it's um, beautiful. Champagne yeah. walls. Yeah. I kind of was impressed in 2019 right? with the champagne wall. I was it's, like, oh, It's quite an experience. Okay. It really is. It's exciting that we're, we're getting to bring people in for, again. Yeah. For, right. But the exciting thing today is we are at a culinary hotspot, so. um, Rooster in the Till, and our team... Mm-hmm. Happened to lure in <laughs> Chef Farrell to be our curator, yeah, uh, coach, if coach, you will, babysitter. He says maybe babysitter. <laughs> uh, you guys are really going to want to listen in to hear that. But really, mm-hmm. the important thing was, as always, with the podcast, is getting to know somebody. Yes. How did they get to the successes they are? What is the journey? So often, it's that one person that gives you a chance when mm-hmm. life is hectic, when you're younger, wherever you are in your life having great people around you, maybe experiencing some heartbreaking moments um, that really change you and refocus. And then, of course, going back to having those people around you that make an incredible difference in your life. And the next thing you know, you are a nationally Absolutely. recognized yeah, chef and restaurant, restaurant group. Owner. <laughs> so I want you guys to enjoy it, listen to it, go to Rooster in the Till, Absolutely. check it out, or all the other concepts. There's, I can't wait to go to the Lunch Lady. <laughs> I mean, I am so down with Lunch Lady. And then, mm-hmm. hold on, I've got to look because he, we talked about it. Yeah. Oh, yeah, we've got... Um, mm-hmm. Uh, Nebraska Mini Mart. Yes. Yeah, all of them. Burgers are my kid's favorite. Yeah. But I want to go to Dang Dude because I want Dang dumplings Dude. and I want Boozy Boba. Right, Boozy As Boba. As an adult lady, you have got it. <laughs> so let's listen in. And first, Ev and I, we're going to cut out and go get some Boozy Boba. Chef Farrell, welcome to Stick a Fork in It. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Thanks for opening up on your day off. Absolutely. So we could be on site for you. Really excited. You just recorded some awesome promos for Fork Fight. We're going to totally get to that. But what I'd really like to for our listeners and our viewers to know is to get to know you. Yeah. Like, who who the heck are you? First, we're in Rooster in the Till. We are, indeed. How did that name happen? Uh, that was mostly because of my partner, Ty Rodriguez. Uh, we were thinking about how to name the restaurant. And we, at that time, had started a magazine called Local Dirt, and it was you know heavily based on food and beverage and local sustainable agriculture. So we were doing this in our spare time because we were also carrying full-time jobs as an executive chef and a general manager. Um, so in that publication, uh, one of our photographers that was doing some freelance work for us captured a rooster in Ybor City. And that was really important to us because we both grew up in Ybor City as young punks, for lack of a better word. <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, when we ran the streets of Ebor, like most people do in their late teens and early 20s. So, you know, roosters play a significant role in our life in that regard. Uh, the till came in in portion of like a farmer's till. Most people misconstrue it as like a register, like a till, like we're trying to make yeah. money. But that's not where we came up with the idea at all, or at least Ty. Um, it was more of a farmer's till, a piece of equipment. And that to us means uh, digging up new ground. It was a way to essentially start something new and the rooster signifies the ability to start a new day every day you wake up in the morning you hear the rooster crow 
figuratively for us. And, right. uh, you know, that just means that, A, you're alive, so you should be very grateful. And you have uh, the ability to reset your day and change anything that you necessarily didn't like from yesterday. So Rooster Natil came to fruition in that way. I love it. I love the meaning behind it, too. And I'm so glad you shared that. Um, so you talked about growing up in Ebor. So let's start. Let's, let's go just a little bit back. Uh, tell us about your roots and how you grew up in Tampa. Yeah, so um, I was... I moved here from Baltimore when I was about two or three years old. Uh, parents stayed here, became separated, but we all stayed close. Um, and then when I was about in ninth grade, I moved to Cincinnati uh, randomly with my mother and my stepfather, and I did high school there. And then right after that, I did culinary school. And then right after culinary school, I came back came down back. to Tampa. So at this time, fast forwarding pretty quickly, now I'm already 19 years old, tw- going on 20. I've been working in the business for already five years. I started washing wow. dishes full-time at 15 yeah. in Covington, Kentucky. And uh, a gentleman by the name of Alan Strayman um, saw something in me when I was working at the cutting board, his business, which I believe is still operational. And um, he just started investing in me and believing in me and pushing me to be a little bit better than I was. And then it just kind of took off from there. I really started getting into cooking and I got another job and just perpetuated until I got into culinary school. Again, graduated culinary school, came right back down. And then I started working at Saddlebrook Resort in Zephyr oh, yeah. Hills. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So I was there for four and a half years as a sous chef tournant. Okay. Um, and then during those four and a half years, I was getting a little antsy towards the end. Mm-hmm. I wound up cold calling mise en place because at that time, Food and Wine Magazine and Bon Appetit Magazine, I'm dating myself now, <laughs> uh, they weren't like as popular as they are today. And yes. uh, the magazine in the forefront for culinary or for anything you know restaurant related was Gourmet Magazine. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Marty was in Gourmet Magazine pretty often considering Tampa Bay. <laughs> right, uh, back so in I, the day. Yeah, back, back in the day. Yeah, right. this was like 90, well, starting in 94 to 99. Um, so, you know, I knew who Marty was. Marty was the probably like the only rock star chef that we had in Tampa at that time that was on that level um Jeannie was still here but I think she was just starting to become popular um BT as well but I hadn't I didn't know about those ladies yet just Chef Marty cold called him from my office one day because I was quote unquote fed up with it you know (laughs) and uh, I asked to speak with Marty and he got on the phone and I was like holy shit and I got really nervous (laughs) I kind of froze up a little bit but then I just shot my shot and I uh you know I spit a little gab to him and he said, come on, when can you come down? Wow. So we arranged that I came down. He hired me on the site, wow. and I was like, wow, that happened really quick. Yeah. <laughs> so after four and a half years of Saddlebrook, I transitioned to Mise en Place wow. as a That's young a jump. cook. It was. Mm-hmm. It was a big jump because coming out of a, at that time, uh, three-star, three-diamond, maybe it was four-star, four-diamond uh, resort, and doing resort things, banquets, large pop parties, and then going right to a very avant-garde independently mm-hmm. owned restaurant mm. it was a bit, very big shift you know whiplash but, yeah yeah but <laughs> yeah. it was something i totally wanted you yeah. know? right like, sure i was like this hotel scene is not for me mm. i learned a lot in it sure. but um as we do from everything for sure absolutely so really quick like what i'm hearing from you is you had someone support you which drove you to be that better man focus in on the food industry right and then that also gave you somehow the confidence to reach out to at the time he still is i don't even want to take that away from him just a unique iconic person in tampa chef in tampa um but it all started with that one person believing in you yeah definitely uh it started with well 
obviously my mom and my dad, but Alan right. Strayman believing in me, and then Marty right. coincidentally took that role in right. the early 2000s, unbeknownst to me at that time, and then, you know, in retrospect, hands down my biggest mentor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, he's an amazing human being altogether. So in those, that 90s to 2000s, Mise en Place was the place to go. It was really the only place, like if you wanted to be adventurous with food. Absolutely. And that's how I learned about wines at that restaurant <laughs> and the delight that foie gras is. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Those are all uh, qualities that Marty and Marianne bring to the food and beverage scene yep. for Tampa Bay. And we should all really respect them for that. I think everybody does, but some people don't even realize, you know, 36 years they've been in business right yes. now. Yes. To have a restaurant independently owned for 36 years, especially in Tampa, that's that's a hell of a feat yeah and to remain unique yeah they're shaking it up all the time it's really a joy to go there absolutely what are the key things that you may have learned while you were there in your time you know when i was there with them i was in my young and then to mid-20s so i really developed into manhood for lack of a better word yeah yeah i had they taught me how to be an adult quite Mm -hmm. frankly um i had my first child there. I bought my first home there. I had, you know, um, I had, I was in a very bad car accident and I lost my best friend in that car accident. So I had my, my first real, uh, tragedy there. Um, they gave me space to be a father. They gave me fiscal knowledge and responsibility. They, they taught me how to do a lot of things that were just the foundation of being a good human being, which really gave me this space unbeknownst to me at the time, like I was developing as a chef as well because I was, I was open and I was supported and I was, you know, cared for. So therefore I felt safe and secure and I didn't know all this then, but you know, being older now and looking back at things and understanding how, how I work and how we work and you know, you realize like, wow, like I didn't just get my roots in culinary there. Like I became a real good person there. I was like a big transitional shift for me. Man. Much like a family. <laughs> 100%. Yeah. 100% I spend more time with them as most people do well, in the restaurant and business than with your own family. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's amazing. So tell us about your family. You started off where you kind of moved back and forth. Um, you know, your parents, siblings. Tell us a little bit about that that helped kind of mold you up into that point yeah. uh, where you hit culinary by storm. Yeah. You know, I was... Um, I was always a creative person. I was always wanting to do things that were a little bit more artsy and a little bit more mm-hmm. artistic and outside of the box. I was never, I don't, I don't like run of the mill. I'm not really into mainstream. Right. Um, so I was a little bit wild to I say the say least. rebel? Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, was, I, was, I, I quickly became the black sheep of the family when I was about 15 or 16, just making poor choices and kind of, right. you know, being in the streets for lack of a better word. Um, and my mom, you know, I wanted a beeper and I wanted, uh, I wanted my own car and car yeah. insurance. And my mother did not have those abilities to, you know, finance that for me. Mm-hmm. So she taught me that, you know, if you want these things, then you're going to have to work. Right. So I did exactly that. I got a job only because I wanted money just to, you know, be a kid. Same. But then, <laughs> you know, without me knowing, I started to build the foundation, which has now become my career. But yeah, when I was 15, I started full time, like I said, with Alan. And I was there for about two years, went to another restaurant that was at the Revolving uh, Riverview Revolving Restaurant. 
at a hotel in Covington, Kentucky, on the 18th floor, where the restaurant, you know, literally. Oh, used to have one of those here, yeah. Yeah. right? Yeah. There's one in uh, Atlanta too. I, it's not bad. Is it's, there? It's like wind, wind. It shows it you how old school yeah. that was. CK's here. Was that what it was called? I don't know. I'm not aware. Yeah. You got to let was me it know. The though. airport. Yeah. And it, the whole top. <laughs> it's a big prom spot. <laughs> yeah. So I started working there, and that was, you know, a restaurant where. I was the third person working a saute station. We did probably, you know, six to 700 covers a night. And it was ruthless back then. You know, bear in mind, at this time, there was no Food Network. There was no Emeril Lagasse. There was none of this. So it wasn't a glorified industry. It wasn't celebrated as much. It was food on the table. It was quite the opposite, you know. And in fact, my father, who is now a retired physician, um, he lived here in Tampa. I was in Cincinnati. So we had a relationship, but we weren't extremely tight. But um, I remember telling him that I was going to pursue culinary. And, you know, his interpretation is you're going to be a greasy cook because mm. there was yes. nothing the way that we know restaurants now yeah. and the way that people look at re- restaurateurs and chefs that didn't exist then. Yeah. So he was very worried, you know, yeah. uh, and it was very drug and alcohol ridden. It's very abusive. It was the complete opposite of what our company is and what most restaurants are now. You know, it was very um, it was very toxic. Yeah. But at the same time, that's what sucked me in. You know, it was very fast. It was just the fast, fast pace right. of life. Mm. And it's very attractive and intriguing when you're well, and a having young to turn on a dime and Right? You have, to ch- you have to pivot. You have to be ready to do that. And so that probably kind of fed that out of the box for you. Absolutely. I mean, it way. was, you know, uh, late nights, early mornings. You know, you, you put in crazy hours yeah. and you got paid <laughs> next to nothing, you know, unfortunately. But um, those were all lessons that I was learning that created who I am now as a chef and an entrepreneur because, you know, me and my partners work very hard to produce and maintain a company that goes against all of those principles, you know, in terms of the drug addiction and the late nights and the overworking for underpaid. Like we have the ability now to create whatever we want. Mm -hmm. And we do really believe that uh, the hospitality business doesn't have to be that way that we all have been taught that it is. You don't have to not have any retirement plans, no money, didn't savings. You don't have to be a drug addict or an alcoholic. You don't have to work 70 hours a week. Like those are just things that were created from the beginning of this industry that Mm -hmm that we can change, you right. know? And that and the brutality frankly, of it. I think we have. Yeah. Right, in I think there was company. a lot behind, uh, back in the day, um, just mistreatment of, you know, people in the back that you have different shows that come out, books and things like that, that talk about old school kitchens. Absolutely. And what that was like, which was could be demeaning. And they thought they were helping, um, right? Yes, we, we, we refer to it as the old school, you old know, school mentality. way of thinking. Yeah. yeah, it's just old school mentality. You know, it's got like, it's got to be that, that manly way, you know, yeah. it makes no sense when you think about it and you break it down because any, any business that's successful isn't built on that foundation. No, it's not you know? built on yeah. And it has worked for a few, but uh, there's, it's only a matter of time until the foundation cracks and then the empire starts to crumble. And yeah. it probably drives away a lot of people who would otherwise be interested, like people creative like yourself that are, you know, kind of drawn to that, but just don't want to be in that environment. You know? 100%, yeah. especially now, you know, like, mental health and wellness is yes. on the forefront of conversation. It's, it's, it's now okay to talk about it. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, the younger generation, they just don't put up with that way of life and yeah. they right. shouldn't, you know, and we can talk about, you know, being soft or not, or not but right. ultimately like you need to take care of people. Right. People right. want to be taken care of, you know, right. they need opportunities well, in many just, senses. Yeah. Just respected. 100%. You know? Human just respect respected. and love. Yep. Dignity, respect. It kind of gets us all moving forward. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, um, 
you know, going back to childhood, we always ask this question about a memory around the table. Is there a specific memory or meal that sticks out to you that was um, impactful in your life? I mean, I was very fortunate to grow up with my mother and her family um, being, everything was food forward, you know, so everybody lived within a few blocks of each other and we would always be at my grandmother's or my Aunt Pat's house or our house, you know, we would just rotate. So every Sunday, Saturday and Sunday, we were were hanging out together and my mother is from Long Island, from Lindenhurst and her parents were from Italy and my father is from Colombia, South America. So it's very cultural. I have Mm -hmm. a very cultural family and the Italian side of my family back when I was a kid, everything was based around all of us being together. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we swam, ate and drank all day long on the weekends. That's just That's what we did. That's so amazing. Awesome. <laughs> and I still remember pretending like I had my own cooking shows when I was about eight or nine years old in my kitchen with my mother. And I would, you know, she taught me how to fry eggs and make tang. So I would literally, tang, tang yeah. get out. Yeah. Okay. The hell with an astronaut. I wanted to be a chef, yeah. you know? So, um, yeah, so we, I would, I, I still remember uh, in Spring Hill where I spent many years growing up, you know, talking like I was on a cooking right. show, making <laughs> eggs and telling you how to fry an egg, um, which I still take very seriously. And, um, and then making a glass of tang, you know, you got to, you got to rotate that powder in there properly to get yeah. it tasty, you know? Gotta so get it was a, good a very stir. important thing. Get the little old. tornado going down because <laughs> mix it up right. That's right. That's I've right. I've had a few glasses of tang in so my yeah, life. So yeah, I was around so much uh, food and love when I was younger yeah. and it really, it pushed us. Even my brothers, um, my, well, my whole entire family loves food and they love cooking right. in some capacity. Obviously not professionally. They're much more intelligent than me and much more <laughs> successful than me. But um, yeah, they, oh, wow. we all, food, food brings people together. Yeah. Yes, so I think, it really does. Yeah, so you know, it's sitting around a table, eating and drinking is something that we do very well. <laughs> so when you're pretending, is, are you emulating somebody that you saw on TV? Was it your mom being in the kitchen, like watching her cook? What made you pretend to have your own show? I don't know. You know, there was no Food Network and stuff like that. Again, right. like I said, you know, I think it was more like Jacques Pepin and Julia Childs were the okay. only things. Yep. And what was the other guy? The French gourmet. The guy, Ay, do you remember him with the overalls? <laughs> um, he was a Creole gourmet. Oh, yeah. Um, he got his own season line. I can see him. It's not, it wasn't Paul Perdome, but it was oh. another one. Anyhow. <laughs> um, so, you know, uh, growing up with that environment and, you know, doing doing those things and having the ability to grow up all around food was just something that... It formulated who I was. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe that's what's next for you, TV. <laughs> not that you don't, don't have your hands full yeah, already. I yeah. I turned down. Like, I'm not into like the chop challenges and Top Chef and all that stuff. I've yeah. spoke with them many a times, but it's just not yeah. what you want. I have a, I have a, a voice for TV. <laughs> <laughs> so we've talked all about your family growing up. What about um, your own family? Tell us about you know, Chef Farrell's family when you go home. Yeah. Um, So I do have a daughter, Eva. Mm -hmm. She's 18 years old now and she's getting ready to graduate in a month. So right now is... um, Yeah, it's big time for her. Does she have any plans yet? It's the most tranquil time of my life. (laughs) Yeah. It's a little Uh, moving for for parents. Yeah, it's a learning, you know, it's it's definitely a learning process and um, obviously having a child is the most beautiful thing ever Mm -hmm. and it changes your life drastically and dramatically. And I had a child with... um, with my girlfriend in my young 20s, we weren't planning on having a child, but it was the best thing that ever happened to us, right. you know? Um, but it was 
it was the way that my journey was supposed to go, but I was a single dad for many years as her mother was a single mother as well. So we definitely had um, some really hard trying times. Um, being in the business that I'm in, is money isn't abundant. So um, figuring that out as well was really interesting. Mm-hmm. Going through tragedy, like I expressed earlier, was during that time frame as well. But yeah, it was just, it, when, you living in, when you're living in those moments, uh, it feels challenging, painful, whatever the emotion may be. But then once you get past them, you realize that's what's molding you to be the person that you are. Right. And I think it's created the ability for me to take on a lot mm-hmm. and uh, do a lot. And quite frankly, I enjoy it and I thrive on it. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I'm sure I bury some things in it, but I think that's human nature. Mm-hmm. And, you know, working on that in therapy, you know, but uh, it's always yeah. an ongoing process. But yeah, I mean, uh, having a child and, and my family is... Um, the foundation of who I am, you know, yeah. I have, uh, I'm fortunate to get married seven years ago to my wife, Nicole, first and only time I've ever been married. Um, we never thought we were going to get married when we were dating. We've been together for about 11 years now. Um, she's a professional in her own right. Mm-hmm. So it's really great to have somebody who has, um, equal goals as me and wants to really try to achieve things right. beyond average because I do invest a lot of time into my craft. Yeah. Um, and sometimes having a partner that is okay with that, let alone supports it and encourages yeah. that is a challenge. And so understands I feel, you. yeah, I feel and fortunate. vice versa. I'm sure you're the same way for her. Yeah. 100%. Um, I'm pretty chill and easygoing nowadays. You know, I wasn't always like that, but you know, that's heavily attributed to my family and I am very, I'm very loved and supported from my entire family. And mm-hmm. it wasn't always like that, not because they didn't love me, but because I didn't always make the best decisions. So I definitely um, pushed people away by making poor choices in my life. And when I say that I was a punk, I wasn't, I'm not kidding. And you know, certain things I don't talk about in my life, but I definitely um, from 15 to 25 was, I, w- I, was, I was reckless while still being very focused on culinary somehow. Mm-hmm. And thank God I, found that balance because had I not have gotten to that point and had Eva, my life probably would have been very different and it would not be successful. Mm. Um, So having Eva put me on a different path. And then in 2007, I was in a car accident with my best friend Dino and I lost him. And that completely changed my, well, after I got about six or eight months after that, I woke up and I just decided to change and be better and different and really go for what I wanted. And ever since then, I think my trajectory has been in an upward pattern. So it's um, that, um, gosh, hard effect of life is fragile. Yeah. And uh, what you should be grateful for probably hit you pretty hard once you healed and got to a certain place. Yeah, absolutely. And then you started rocketing into your life Yeah, today. you know, I think like, um, what do they say? Like diamonds are made out of pressure, you know? Mm-hmm. Or, so yeah. it's like, it's that type of uh, statement or, you know, ideology. Um, yeah, I wouldn't change it, you know? And it's, right. it's who I am. I, I mean, I, I love who I am. I'm comfortable about who I am and I'm relatively open about it. I'm not an open person. I, you know, I have a very small circle and I keep, mm-hmm. keep my cards tight to my chest, but uh, I try to lead myself with a lot of respect and I, I really care about people because a lot of people care about me and mm-hmm. I just try to keep it reciprocating. That's beautiful. So what is your, their, your family's, your personal family's uh, favorite dish for you to come home? Are you one of those chefs that loves to come home and cook? Or we, we talked about off, off uh, 
the show of Chef Benito Dazzo. Yeah. Um, he was a great friend of mine, and his whole thing was it was a special day if I cooked at home because I was tired <laughs> and they got hot dogs. Half the time, she, he's kidding, right? Yeah. But how is it that you are at home? Um, I'm very fortunate at home because uh, my wife now really enjoys cooking, and you know we've she's she realized that she wasn't good at it a long time ago, <laughs> so she put some energy into learning and stuff. Yeah. And, but we eat relatively simple food, um, relatively healthy, well balanced meals for lack yes. of a better word, yes. you know. Um, but I don't I don't cook elaborately. I um, I go through my spurts when sometimes like I want to cook or like try yeah. some things, but I don't use it as a test kitchen. I kind of separate like home is home yeah. and work is work. Um, I spend so much time outside of my home that yes. when I do go home, I really like to try to chill and decompress. A lot of the times that's with my laptop in my lap, but it doesn't bother me. It's just kind of, you know, it's what I enjoy. It's what I right. love to do. So it doesn't feel like it's work. It's feeds your soul. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Right? Uh, but no, she cooks very well. Um, last night, my brother and um, his fiance and my niece came over for dinner, for example. And we did grilled chicken thighs with some roasted cauliflower, some grilled asparagus. We Yum. made an arugula salad and some potatoes as well. So, Yum. Yeah. I keep, I, you know, protein, vegetables and starches. I keep it relatively simple. And, yeah. but and honestly, let the food do the talking with a yeah, little Yeah, I seasoning. cook like 10% of the time in my house. Everything else is Because you taught her. See, that was the whole thing. <laughs> I don't know. She took you a lot her. of she took a lot of it on her own and yeah. did a lot. But even my mom, my mom will come over and cook. And we just did a big backyard remodel, so we built a pool and we have a really nice, nice backyard space, so we can all hang out together now. So it's coming back. So to now fruition. weekends are for your house, except your weekend's a little bit different. Yeah, it's a Monday Tuesday is your weekend. Well, ish. So. Um, I like to say that I, Sunday is my my day Sunday's off. Sunday's your day. Yeah, but you know, I, I still my phone and my computer still go. I'm you know I have yeah. to be twenty four seven for my people and everything. Yep. Um, but Sunday's the one day where I try to disconnect. Monday mornings I try to golf if I can early in the mornings. Um, that's a that's a new passion of mine. Other than that though. I work pretty much Monday through Saturday. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. But now because of that new backyard, <laughs> you're the spot on Sunday afternoons Absolutely. after golf. Yeah, yeah. Rooster, and my probably whole... really proud to do <laughs> yeah. it. My rooster staff uh, is ready for a pool party already. Uh, we just, my... You know, my guest chef friends come in from out of town and yep. we throw down and have pool parties. So, yeah, absolutely. It's, um, I love chilling and floating. Good, good. And I'm glad you have the space to do it and you work awfully hard. Thank and you. speaking of working awfully hard, now tell us, you know, you talked about mise en place. Take us on the journey to where you are today because you have several brands that are so fun and crazy good, honestly. But let's start with you just dismounted from mise en place. Where are you going? So we left mise en place because we were approached by a restaurateur in Tampa that wanted us to take, well, that wanted me to take over as executive chef. Um, and a wonderful opportunity. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, um, you know, revamp the restaurant, you know, um, do, do the whole thing. So my response was, I'm interested, but you have to have a GM in order for it to be a cohesive remodel, if you will. Um, they accepted. So Ty and I moved on. We took over Cafe Dufresne on Harbor Island. Mm -hmm. We were there for about four, four and a half years uh, collectively. Um, and then from there, we honestly, we got fired. You know, it was the first time and only time in our entire lives um, that either one of us have ever been in that position. I think it was heavily fueled um, from a financial perspective because right. the owners were going through a separation and, mm -hmm. you know, they had to figure things out on their own as well. So at the time, it probably wasn't handled the best way possible, but 
you know, it's water under the bridge. It is what it is. And quite frankly, it put us on the path to do our own thing. And, yeah. you know, uh, I'm very grateful that we have and that we did. Um, Ty just was, adds to your armor. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Those experiences, just like when you were a kid, it just kind of adds to that swagger. It's, you know, like like I said, like having Eva, it was just part of my journey. And mm-hmm. it's just what's... It's just what is uh, in, my, in the cards for me. Mm-hmm. So Ty was the executive director for Gasparilla Music Festival okay. um, when we got released and I had no job. So for the first time ever, I found myself um, filing for unemployment as a single father. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't know what the hell I was gonna do, but I knew that I had kind of, I wasn't ready to work for anybody else in Tampa. Mm -hmm. You know, I was, I felt like I had already worked for Marty and that was like the pinnacle, you know, and obviously I think that there's other chefs that are on his level and, you know, and I don't mean disrespect by that, but I had already kind of like touched those waters and it didn't intrigue me anymore. So quite frankly, um, I made six phone calls and to four friends and two family members, something like that. Mm -hmm. And, um, didn't know what the hell I was doing, but I shot my shot and I said, look, I want to do something of my own. I'm thinking about doing a little 28, 32 seat restaurant. I want to make homemade charcuterie and then I want to turn that into a sandwich shop, do some really cool salads. Cheese charcuterie was, you know, all the rage at that time. It was just kind of coming to the forefront. Um, I'll do wines by the glass and by the bottle, boutique wines and sodas and craft beers in a cooler on an honor system and make it very chill and um, chef driven, but yeah, very casual casual and and elevated. Yep. Right. So I had um, four friends, two friends say yes to loaning me 10,000 bucks on a promissory note and two family members also saying yes to the same deal. So then I had 40,000 bucks and then um, I called the fifth person who was a very close friend of mine and he was the president of a local bank here. And I said, this is what I'm trying to do. Mm -hmm. Would you like to do $10,000 on a promissory? And he said, no, but I will be an equity partner for you. And I said, you okay, cool. And I hung up the phone and I quickly searched what the hell's an equity partner. <laughs> right. It's like, what do you mean? Yeah. Okay. Sounds yeah. good. Thanks. So, um, so next thing you know, I got 60,000 bucks. Um, Brian Lampy was my chef at Mise en Place. He went with us to Cafe Dufresne. And when we left Cafe Dufresne, honestly, the entire staff left with us uh, because sure. they felt uh, offended. So I had placed all of the kitchen staff at different restaurants around Tampa with my friends with the notion that I was going to do this and they were going to come back and work for me and with us. Mm-hmm. And um, somehow that's exactly what happened. <laughs> you were getting uh, the band back together. Yeah. It, I did, you know, and um, they believed in me. You know, mm-hmm. we were all very young and naive at the time, so I'm <laughs> grateful for that. Um, and I sketched out what was the 1.0 version of Rooster in the Till. Um, and I opened it up with Miles Gallagher, who's now our director of operations. I opened it up with Leah Lampy, who is Chef Brian's w- wife. They met at Cafe Dufresne because of us, and they got married. They're still married today. Um, Leah still works for us as a waitress now. She's on 12 years of employment with Ty and I. Okay. Um, and we opened up something very illegal, essentially, mm. with no hood system, no, <laughs> no gas. We had three induction burners, uh, a co- convection oven, and a couple circulators. And um, ingenuity, determination, 
being naive, <laughs> working really hard, uh, we figured it out. And, yeah. you know, I, I, I got on Craigslist and I saw a sports bar that was closing down and they were getting rid of their furniture. So I rented a U-Haul truck. I just drove over there and I had some cash in my pocket and I negotiated all of their wow. uh, chairs and bar stools for yeah. 210 bucks. Wow. Nice. And, <laughs> yeah. And then we took them back here. We sanded them and we painted them black. Uh, Brian and I drove around the Seminole Heights area and we found all abandoned fencing and we collected all of the fencing and we sat right where we're sitting right now on buckets and we took apart the fencing with na with hammers and screwdrivers. We pulled all the nails out of it and we chopped it up and we created a, um, a reclaimed wood wall. And <laughs> we, um, we took a picture of a rooster from the from the magazine that we just discussed from Local Dirt. Yep. And I took it to OAI Imaging on Hillsborough Avenue yep. and I had them blow it up to 12 by seven. They installed it here and we put the a claim, reclaimed wood wall around it. And quite frankly, it's still on the wall behind all of this. <laughs> That's so um, cool. Yeah. The layers. So, <laughs> yeah. I found chicken um, feeders that were repurposed as Edison lights on Etsy. And that's what we used as our track lighting. I mean, we, yeah. we, we made something out of nothing. And I don't really think you could do it again because like the city and the permitting and all that stuff, they've you know, caught up to speed on that. But we lied and faked our way on the menu so we didn't have to put a hood system in because I didn't have you the- You finessed your way. Right. Yeah, I like that. I like that. You're For the well. lawyers listening, You're I well. finessed our yeah. way. Um, yeah, and we, we were very fortunate because Ty and I had, you know, learned from Marianne at a very young age that, you know, networking is very important. Mm -hmm. So we had planted our roots in the industry in Tampa already, and we had a decent following. So we opened up the doors and we were instantly on three hour waits. Man. Um, we were very fortunate for that. So we stacked our chips over about six months, month period. The store on the other side of the wall was an art supply store. She wound up moving. The landlord offered us the space. We obtained it, let it sit empty while we continue to save some more money. And then we did our first remodel about, I, would, I think it's about, I, think it, I don't know if it was a 10 month mark or the 14 month mark of our first year mm. or just thereafter of Rooster and opened up with uh, a real kitchen with real gas finally. Mm. Um, but yeah, that's, that's the really short condensed version of how kind of we got here. Yeah. And now you've expanded. Yeah, a little bit. So tell us about that. <laughs> I've got all the brands listed. I had yeah. to list them down because there's no way you were. So tell us how that journey went. Why one wasn't enough? Like what was it to push you to do even more? You know, speaking for myself and not for my partners, Ty and Sean, um, it's never enough. You know, like I'm never satisfied. Like I start something and I'll get it going and up and running. And then I'm on to the next thing while maintaining that. You know, and it doesn't mean that I don't care. It's just like, I just always want to continue to spin my wheels. Um, sometimes it's a curse because, you know, I'm the creative that lays in bed and can't shut it off and <laughs> right. doesn't sleep too long and things like you know that. You know how that is. Ah, I've never been there. You, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so, know um, yeah, so I definitely have that side of me too. But um, I just feel like we have so many great ideas that we want to execute. Um, we want to continue to build what we've developed. Mm -hmm. um, it keeps us engaged. It keeps us able to provide for more mm -hmm. of our team members and their families mm -hmm. uh, in terms of our employees. Your industry. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Um, you know, and, and for Tampa, you know, like 
we want to bring more cool shit to Tampa because yeah. Tampa needs it. You know, like we're and it's still getting there. It is. Yeah. Like no lie. If you go all the way back to the 90s, 2000s. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Without a doubt. We've come a long way, you know. Oh, it's um, brilliant. Yeah. Do you, do you find yourself like trying to fill gaps and things that you don't see happening around that like you think would be cool, but like no one else is doing like when you come up with these new ideas? Yeah, for yeah. sure. Um, aside from lunch lady, which was kind of a request from the landlord being SPP, mm-hmm. you know, in Sparkman Wharf, they wanted to feel, fill more of a daytime lunch void for um, some of the businesses that are there now, ReliaQuest and whatnot. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but aside from that, yeah, we, we, we look at the spaces and I think like we, it organically speaks to us and we think about what we want to execute, what makes sense, what's around the vicinity, what's mm-hmm. lacking. Um, and what we have a passion for. Yeah. We're not going to do stuff that we just don't like right. and we don't believe in because right. that's just not <laughs> right. who we are. We only do what we want to do. Yeah. Um, and we're, we feel very fortunate to have that ability to navigate those choices. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, we started Gaito first, which is the Takaria in mm-hmm. Sparkman's Wharf. Um, so that started. And then second... When you can eat tacos every single day. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry? Yeah. You can have tacos every single yeah, day. Absolutely. All every day, day, every day. Every day yeah. is yeah. Tuesday yes. to me. Eat for breakfast or for dinner, <laughs> yes. it all makes yes. sense. Yes, 100%. everything. 100%. Uh, and then we opened up Nebraska Mini Mart in Southeast Seminole Heights next. That's uh, a favorite. My son lives nearby. That's one of his... Fa- he and his wife's favorite place. Oh, awesome. Tell us about the concept with that because I think I worked at Trinity Cafe when that space was being rebuilt to do that. Tell us about a little bit about that. Yeah, that one, um, I was having lunch with my friend and business partner, Sean uh, Nugent, and we were eating at Old Heights Bistro, mm-hmm. right, you know, just south of Nebraska Mini Mart. And um, at, we were done early, and I don't know, I said, oh man, there's a space up here. I want to show you, like, you know, we, we walked right up the block, and it was fenced off, and it was just the double-sided drive through farm store at the time. Yep. And um, it was for rent. And I was like, oh, this would be really cool to do something here. And we were just shooting the shit, you know, while we were literally leaning on the fence, looking at the property. And he's like, what would you do? So I told him what we would do, what I would do. Yep. And he's like, oh, that sounds really cool. We should do that. And then, <laughs> right. And then we did it, you know, like right? that was kind of uh, obviously it wasn't that quick and easy, but it really was in terms of developing it. You know, that's just kind of how we are. We're like, we should do that. And then we we obviously vet things and we go through our process now, but being a little bit younger in the business then, you know, and being a little bit more naive. Um, but for that, that was a passion project for us because if you recall, when we first launched it, culinarily, it was a lot of like really cool global street food. You know, we did parathas with raitas and shawarma turnips. We did the Korean uh, style cheesesteak with um, gong, uh, gochujang aioli and like kimchi and bragogi cheesesteak. Um, so we did really cool, funky food, and it didn't really take off quickly. Mo- I mean, and we're now in business five years, mm-hmm. you know? I think we've had it for six years. Well, we've, I think we've had the space for six years, been in operation for five years. Um, but when we cleared off that property, I mean, we were literally clear, clearing off heroin needles, wow. crack pipes, and all yeah, that wow. stuff. You know, it's three... It brought a little bit of a different face to Nebraska Avenue yeah. as well. Like, 100. it's an investment in that community. Yeah, and from a business perspective, if I'm speaking honestly, we were way too early you know like the people that lived there in the neighborhood at that time some of them would support it but it wasn't gangbusters Mm -hmm. and then everything else it was still a very shifty challenged area Mm -hmm. um so it wasn't it didn't open up like rooster did to three hour waits that's for sure um but then fast forward to the pandemic 
Um, we shut it down for a while as we did all of our restaurants. We consolidated everything to Rooster and we ran three different me menus out of Rooster on a to-go only basis during mm -hmm. the height of the pandemic in the very beginning. But Sean actually had the idea is like, hey, what if we just kind of relaunch it a few days a week and just offer burgers and fries to everybody? Because remember that, you know, that in the beginning of the pandemic, rightfully so, everybody was freaking out because yeah. like, what are we gonna do about livelihoods, money, you know, yeah. finances, all those things. So everybody was like scaling way back yeah. and just looking for affordability and mm -hmm. comfort. Yeah. Um, so that idea was really monumental for us. We riffed off of In-N-Out intentionally. Mm -hmm. We worked with our graphic designer. We completely bit off their menu. We called it NMM for Nebraska Mini Mart and Out Burger. Um, so we, and we already, we knew we would get a cease and assist pretty quickly. So we, we already had the backup collateral. I'm talking first. It lasted four hours. You know, we, we got, we four made it hours. four hours and their attorney like called record. us. Yeah. Yeah. But they, still, they were very kind and respectful. And we said, oh yeah, of course. And we switched it over, but we had already made a splash at that yep. time. Yeah. Everybody was pissed off Keep for like the first, yeah, the first weekend. Cause we were selling ungodly. The phone, you couldn't call the phone line. It was busy. Wow. Uber Eats was jammed up. We had to turn it off. Wow. I was literally cooking there. I mean, we were all there working shoulder right. to shoulder as wow. fast as we could. <laughs> um, because, and it was like, it was just the perfect storm, you know? So mm -hmm. um, that's what changed Mini Mart into the burger and fried chicken joint that it is now. So good. Yeah. And then now, you know, we're doing heavy events there. Cody is our GM there and he's really killing it on scheduling uh, markets and music events and wow. we're doing wellness events. We're doing all types of things, you know, so we're activating the space much more often. Mm -hmm. And we're also renting out the space as an event space because it is uh, 1.3 acres of property yep. with outdoor shuffleboard and bocce ball and burgers and vegan food and yeah. chicken tenders and fried chicken sandwiches and all yep. that cool Sounds stuff. Sounds like a party. So, like, it's yeah. so just, good. Everything you just listed, like, <laughs> no it's doubt. so yeah. good. It's so, so if anybody fun. wants to party, bring right. us up. Yeah. It's so fun. So we have more brands to talk about we really do. quick yeah, before we get yeah. into our whole feeding Tampa Bay. And yeah, yeah. I heard there's a fork fight coming, but mm -hmm. what else? What else? So then got? after Mini Mart, um, we did... Um, Maybe, yeah, we did the second Gaito in Lakeland at the Joinery, which is a modern food hall in downtown Lakeland. Uh, and then we did Dang Dude, which is a an Asian interpretation of street food in Boozy Sparkman Boba. Wharf. Yeah, you had me at Boozy Boba. Boozy Boba never That's hurts like, anybody. Boba with a shot of sake, oh, you know? Right. Big girl Boba. Yeah. With some dumplings. Okay. Tyrion, our chef, and Sarah, our general manager down there, they absolutely crushed the concept. And um, yeah. it's a really great brand. I think we have an interest on taking that one to a little bit of a multi-unit concept possibly down nice. the road. But um, yeah, that one, we all really love Asian food and um, I love cooking Asian style inspired food. Mm -hmm. So I think that one really spoke to us. That one hit hit like gangbusters. Yeah. Um, and then the last venture to open was Lunch Lady. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, different cold and hot press sandwiches, salads, protein salads. And we're working through a little bit of a menu redo right now where we're starting to do like um, a meatball smash sub mm. with fresh mozzarella. We're doing <laughs> yeah. a play off of a cheesesteak. He'll, he'll be in the parking lot. You know, yeah. this is one of those show. episodes that just I'm getting progressively hungrier every minute that we're sitting <laughs> yeah, here. Yeah, we're going to go like, on a field trip yeah. after this, right? Uh, right? Let's, um, let's yeah, go to so, Lunch Lady. So lunch who comes up with the cool. names? Lunch yeah. Lady. I we're, mean, how? 
collective. Yep, yeah. it's right? all collective. You're just around a table. How fun! Yep, <laughs> creatively coming up with stuff, and then we land on right. lunch, lady. Right. But primarily, I love it. primarily, it's um, me, Ty. Sean and Miles, and then obviously now with the he heavy lift from Lauren Moser, who's our director of marketing, mm -hmm. as well as Rumble Buzz, who's our social, they handle all social media mm -hmm. and event coordination with us. So collectively, I think that we all gel really well and we come up awesome. with what we think are really cool concepts that we, we enjoy. Yeah, I tend to agree. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Awesome. as we're listening to And then, uh, you know, also we have announced to the public that we're doing another restaurant in Water Street called Ash. Mm -hmm. um, but we also have two more concepts up our sleeves that should be announced in the next 30 to 60 days, hopefully. So that'll be really cool. Can you too. give us a few hints that we had it here? <laughs> um, okay, so a little bit of a teaser. So the... The first one that comes to fruition is going to be more in South Tampa, and it's going to be more of an adult, adult entertainment center, not a strip club. Um, <laughs> I'm glad you clarified. Yeah, yeah I know, <laughs> I know, I know. Not that we're opposed to that right. idea. You know, right. we're, 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 we're down for anything. Biz. As long as it's food-focused, obviously. <laughs> <Yeah>. Obviously food-focused. <laughs> right. uh, and then the other one is going to be a heavy cocktail focus with... Um, with also a music component as well Ooh. in terms of like DJs and a really vibey vibe. <laughs> I love that, a vibey vibe. That yep. is awesome. Any plans <laughs> to go north where I happen to live? <laughs> where, where are north you speaking Tampa. of? North um, Tampa. You know, we, we always keep our options open. We mm -hmm. constantly shop different areas. Mm -hmm. uh, we have looked at the Trinity area for some development that's going on there. And we've mm -hmm. also looked at St. Pete recently. That's mm -hmm. development going on there. I think we're looking into some real estate plays now where real estate interests us. We want to be able to own dirt, mm -hmm. you know, and have something for the future as well. So nothing is out of question. Right. Yeah. Fun fact, you know, we were building a restaurant outside of Washington, D.C. right oh. before the pandemic hit. And um, that was like the biggest project ever. We had leveraged everything for that. And we were working with a very large developer there. During the pandemic, obviously, they were extremely kind to us and gave us the option to reconsider. And at that time, we thought it was wise to pull back. We did, but um, yeah, so we were gonna go as far as north Man. as Washington, okay. D.C. at one point. Uh, okay, well, Carrollwood or north. Yeah, I was gonna yeah. say a little, little far north <laughs> you know, for you, but still pretty cool. You know, <laughs> just keep me in the loop. There's you not a lot it, of yeah. fun awesomeness up there. Uh, I'll talk to the boys honestly, about it. Yeah. Right, talk to them. North Tampa needs you. Um, so clearly over the years, over your career, Tampa has become a foodie hotspot. It really is. Like, you could really have an elevated experience really anywhere in the Tampa area. Um, now, with that comes awards, accolades, things like that. Um, explain what you've experienced in your life to date. In terms of awards? Yeah. Uh, I've experienced um, highs and lows. Um, and I've also learned that, you know, there's a lot of, um, a lot of different things that go into awards, uh, whether it's our industry or any industry in the United States. That being said, you know, we have been very, very fortunate to receive some attention and accolades from locally, from Tampa Bay Times, Creative Loafing, and in the state of Florida, Florida Trends, mm -hmm. and then globally or nationally, internationally from James Beard Foundation, as well as recently Michelin. Mm -hmm. um, so those are all really great things that are a testament to yeah. us and more importantly, our people and how hard they work and how hard they focus on doing better than average. Right. The team. Tell us a little bit about, you know, I don't know how you get those awards or, or does someone come into your restaurant and you don't know it? Um, does someone, you know, 
put your name out there for them to pay attention to you. How do you get those national accolades? Yeah, uh, with James Beard, they have different people that have um, not vote, uh, voting rights. It's not mm -hmm. the right terminology for it, but essentially people like, I'm making this up for an example only, but um, right. a food critic that would work here yes. in our city for the Tim Bay Times. Uh, Helen, I don't know if she does or not, quite frankly. Um, they, they have a vote in the system so they could say, hey, we think it's really important for you to look at, look Check into these restaurants in right. our area, right? So I right. think that's, uh, that's the, the loose one way that James mm -hmm. Beard works. Mm -hmm. uh, for Michelin, it is, it's supposed to be shoppers that come into your restaurant mm -hmm. unannounced annually, one or several times throughout the year, and then they rate you on their system and um, they distribute recommendation, Bib Gourmad, and then stars one, two, and three. Okay. So we were a recipient of Bib Gourmad, which is under a one-star rating, okay. um, which is, um, it's basically, it's stating that it's very noteworthy to go and dine at and right. check out. And you know that we're right. maybe better than average? I don't know. Yeah, it seems like you're up there. You're up there. Right. <laughs> yeah, I actually had somebody that I knew that, is, that does that. So wow. it, it was like, how fascinating. What a, what a job. <laughs> a restaurant secret job. To go and just to eat your <laughs> yeah. way through your, yeah. you know, you're going to all the great food. Let's right. be real, just to be recognized. But congratulations on that. All that yes. hard work. Thank you so much. Washing dishes. Yeah. Yeah, right? yeah. It's, it's really cool. You know. Um, what a journey. We yeah. went last year to the Ritz-Carlton in Orlando for the first yeah. um, award ceremony for Michelin. And um, it was the first year that they recognized the state of Florida. And um, it was a really cool experience. We, I was definitely went through my feelings for mm -hmm. about 12 hours when I didn't get a star, quite frankly. Um, the next morning at brunch, I was eating with Sean and his wife, Megan, and my wife. And um, they're, you know, they just snapped me out of it and brought me to my senses. And, you know, and I did snap out of it. And now, yeah. you know, going into year two, uh, May 11th is the, the okay. next date that they're going to release the awards. Um, it's... I just have a different focus, I guess. You know, mm -hmm. like obviously the awards are really amazing. And if we did get a star, I would, I would cry. Mm -hmm. I would probably get a tattoo of it. And <laughs> yes. it would really fill up our reservation book more yeah. than it is already full. Um, and it would provide a better way of life for all of our members, all of our employees here at Rooster mm -hmm. because of that. But I've also realized that, you know, there's so many things that are larger than that. And um, that's not... It doesn't make or break you, you know? But, Farrell, you're in the room. Mm. <laughs> you're at the table. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You're at the table, which no, is I'm really very... huge for you and your team and our area uh, to have that recognition and, and a spotlight on you. Like, they're still watching you. I'm putting May 11th <laughs> on my calendar. Oh, uh, thank you so much. Yeah. I don't know. think, you know, I, I think that we'll stay at the bib level, if I'm being quite honest. I think that there's a couple restaurants in Tampa that I think would um, more than likely earn a star for various reasons. But um, either way, Business is up tremendously year over year for us. We are continuing to grow as a company. Mm -hmm. We're all healthy and happy, and we are able to provide a great way of life now for our employees. And that, that is, I mean, as dream. cliche as it sounds, that really is better than a plaque on the wall yeah. because that's like yeah. something that is tangible. Mm -hmm. Right. It really is. And it also affords you the opportunity to give back. 100%. Which you've done for many years with Feeding Tampa Bay. So... Why Feeding Tampa Bay for you? Honestly, I think um, I got introduced to Feeding Tampa Bay because of Marianne and Marty back mm -hmm. at Mise en Place, and I worked with them so closely then, and it was 
always a good relationship I had with them. And it was, you know, intertwined with what we did in terms of food and beverage. So it was an easier way to stay in my lane while still giving back Mm -hmm. as selfish as that might sound. You know, it's just like I didn't have to reinvent the wheel and step so far outside of my box and create a whole nother. Right workload essentially um but feeding tampa bay obviously the cause is is amazing and we need to you know do all we can to to fight hunger um i think doing all the different events that they have throughout the year and participating in some capacity whether like we discussed earlier off off microphone you know doing things in the warehouse during the pandemic or doing epic chef events from back in the day or fork fight and i mean we've been doing things for quite some time so you're stepping into some pretty big shoes for Fork Fight. Fork Fight is coming up in May for Feeding Tampa Bay, if you're in the Tampa Bay area. Tell us all about Fork Fight this year. Yeah, so Fork Fight this year is going to be on May 18th at the mm-hmm. Pepin Center. Um, for some reason, they thought it was a good idea to reach out to me and ask me to be the <laughs> chef curator. So, um, so yeah, no, I, I do take responsibility seriously, and I one thing I don't do one one thing I don't accept well is letting people down so I definitely if I sign up to do something Mm -hmm. I'm usually I'm I'm 100% in you know and I try to do things really well Um, and in this regard they asked me to formulate a roster of eight chefs uh, choose which chefs would work together in teams of two Mm -hmm. and then those chefs are going to write a four course menu and showcase that menu again on May 18th at the Pepin Center and um, there's going to be a lot of different uh, things going on this year outside of just the dinner in terms of auctions and cocktail yeah. hours and things like that that are heavily supported by the Buccaneers, the Lightning, larger corporations around mm-hmm. Tampa and small ind- little independent places like uh, Rooster and Till and Proper House Group. Yep. Yep. And, and it's because we all know that everyone should have a healthy meal. And a great start, we right? All We're, we all have the same mindset, and that's how all those folk, different folks gather together. Um, is there any hints as to what's being planned so far for Fork Fight menu-wise, or are we keeping that a secret till you hit the doors? Well, I will say that there's um, a lot of great things going on right now, and working with our partners at Cisco is something that we're really excited to do to see um, what they could supply in way of proteins, because a lot of these chefs have some really progressive ideas, and they want to push the envelope as far as we can, considering we're going to be serving 560 guests yes. that evening. You know, so... Um, it's, it's one hell of a challenge that mm-hmm. we're all willing to uh, accept. And, you know, you don't want to do something so simplistic like a mixed green salad. You know, you got to bring it. Right. And um, I'm very happy that I get to control that and push them a little bit if need be. Although all eight chefs have written some really cool things. Um, I will say that David um, and Bryce from Il Returno and Roca, I had teamed them up for the entree course. So they're bringing oh. some really, really cool, um, unique Italian flair to their course. Um, Chad is from the Haven group is doing some yep. dessert and bringing some Valrona chocolate to the table. Um, so yeah, we're going to have some really interesting ingredients and some really progressive cuisine that evening that I'm looking forward to showcasing. So you're officially your curator, coach, mm. lead, <laughs> babysitter, boss. Yep. Wow. Okay. Yep. Babysitter. All of those things. Uh-huh. Yeah, I think I'm, I'm pretty sure Jessica. Yeah, you put wants talent in the room. Babysitter. <laughs> That's why she hired me to do this. Yeah, yeah. Seems like the right man for the job. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like he's got the no. Right. Our final question, and I know this is a day that your restaurant isn't open, and you're so kind to open it for us, is um, before we let you go. If you could have invite three other people to the table, anyone, it could be past, present, future, and have a meal. Who would be joining you at the table? Wow. <laughs> um, I would 
I'm not, you know, I'm so bad at these questions because I used to be like, what's your favorite? I'm like, oh, I don't have favorites. I love so many things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm sure that my list would go on and on and on. But under the gun, under pressure in the moment, I would say Anthony Bourdain. Oh. Um, I would probably say Jay-Z. Hmm. I'm a huge old school hip hop nice. buff. And I do look at Jay-Z from like a business sense now, mm-hmm. especially because he's got his hand in so many things. So that it's more from a business mentality conversationally mm-hmm. than, than, Pick than his it brain is on music. that one. Yeah. 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 And then for the third person, I think that it would probably be my best friend Dino that I lost. Yeah. Yeah. Just so you could see like kind of how things are going now because we had an affinity for, for food um, and for business and for hustle. Mm. Yep. So um, I I would love to uh, get his opinion on, on what I'm doing these days. That's amazing. (laughs) What a wonderful group of friends that you would have at that table. Now I know you don't pick favorites, but considering who your guests are, and this is your last question and then we're out of here. You just said, what are you serving? (laughs) What are you serving? Ooh, what am I serving? Consider the guests at your table. Mm. What are you going to serve? You know, um, I would probably do like something really simplistic and um, like a whole roasted chicken or a whole roasted rib roast, something very comforting, very Mm. wholesome. Um, I'm also like, I like to do like a one oven type of dinner. So I don't Mm kind of work so damn hard when I have to cook for people outside (laughs) of the restaurant. Uh, But yeah, I would say probably like as corny as it sounds, like some, a a really clean vegetable, um, some type of potato dish that's just very wholesome and um, comforting. And then like a roast chicken or a rib roast, something like that. Right. Fresh flavors on the table. My favorite is a good roasted chicken. And wine. You got to have wine. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Some really good wine. Yeah. And good water. Right, yeah. We're yeah. talking about how good the water we is. earlier, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which isn't like usually like a selling point, but it's like a yeah. big deal. Like, <laughs> dude, the water's legit right. here. <laughs> Chef, thank you for inviting us into your work home. We appreciate you so much. And thank you for partnering for Feeding Tampa Bay. You've made a lot of difference over the years, and we're looking forward to May. Thank you. I'm looking forward to May as well, and thank you for the opportunity. You can learn more about Feeding Tampa Bay and how to join the movement at feedingtampabay.org. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, YouTube, and TikTok at Beating Tampa Bay.